come to the class. Um, with, um, with, with every Jewish holiday, we know that there's a spiritual potential. I know some of you know this, some of you may not have heard it this way. There's a spiritual potential hidden in every single holiday, every single Jewish holiday in the life cycle of the year. And it is about a historical story that really happened and that was true and that we remember and we recount. But it's also about the spiritual potential of now, of what right now and how it relates to you right now, where you are in your life right now, which is very different every year, right? Every year you're completely different. So how you relate to that holiday and how you relate to the power of that, that holiday and the potential of that holiday changes based on who you are. So it's very relevant and very present and very applicable to you right now. And essentially, the idea of freedom is to be truly, freely yourself, right? Yourself in your highest potential. And that's hard to navigate that sometimes. Like, how do I find that? How do I get there? How do I do that? There's all different things. Okay, we've got to clean out the chametz. We've got to, uh, you know, sume ra aseto. We turn from the evil and we, then we go to the good. And there's a whole process that Torah suggests about how to better yourself. On Pesach, on Passover, you have the ability to exponentially leap levels of growth that you cannot do through, during the year. That's the beauty and the gift of Passover. Passover is where you exponentially leap. It says that any, any spiritual goal that you want on Passover, that you ask for, Hashem will grant you. God will grant you. He'll give you it for free. You have to work at it afterwards, but it's yours. Any spiritual goal that you want to grow in yourself and change. It's a very, 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 very powerful holiday. Um, Seder is the most powerful of the whole week, obviously. It starts on the most intense. And the most powerful time of the whole Seder is, can you imagine when? When you open the door. Hmm? When you open the door for Elijah. That's powerful, but it's not as powerful for you personally. So when's it most powerful for you personally in, as far as your own growth? When you say hello. Mm-hmm. After the fourth glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Powerful in a different way. She's kidding. Yeah. It's when you're eating matzah. When you're eating the matzah, especially afikoman at the end of the night when you're completely dead and you're it's like exhausting, you want to get home, I've had enough of this, enough of the book, and like the whole, right? When you're eating the afikoman, um, it's one of the most powerful times of the night and we'll go into then what, what your intention is in that moment can be very, very impactful for you personally, right? First time you eat matzah and also at the end of the night. Um, so it's good to go in conscious. Doesn't matter if it's like a whole, okay, you got your relatives and they're screaming at each other and everyone's saying like, when can we get to the main course and we're bored and do we have to read this, right? Okay, it doesn't matter what's going on around you because you guys are meditators. So you can tune in internally and feel, you know, have, have clarity about what you want to do regardless of what's going on around you, right? So if you go in with what, so what I thought would be useful today would be to, I'm going to give you a little bit of an outline about a couple of other really important principles of Pesach and, um, and then, is anyone hot? No. no okay. Um, and, then, and then set an intention for what you personally want to get out of Pesach, right? And, and, and we're going to write that down at the end of the night after, after the meditation. So I want you, you to get a deeper, maybe a deeper clarity about some things you want that will break you free of your own limitation, which is what Pesach is all about, right? Breaking you free from your own Mitzrayim, your inner Egypt. Right, you're getting this. All of the symbolism is always what's what. Everything that's external, in in any Torah story, is often what's going on internally. There's always a parallel process, internal and external. So you have an inner Mitzrayim, an inner constriction, which Mitzrayim is the word for in Hebrew for Egypt. You have an inner Egypt inside of you that keeps you small and limited, and every person is different. You you realizing something now? You got that smile, that that cool smile on your face, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're like, ah, yeah. where you're limited in some way, and I can 
choose to break out of it. Yeah, if I, if I know what I'm limited by and if I have a contention how to do it and I want to work on it, I can break free of that. And this is the, this is the time to do it. Okay. Um, can I say, tell you my favorite joke? This is one of my favorite jokes of the whole year. It goes up on all my Instagrams and Facebooks and everything, right? Because it's Passover related. If I get pleasure from the bread of affliction, which is another name for matzah, okay? Bread of affliction, you have to know that little part, okay? If I get pleasure from the bread of affliction, does that make me a masochist? <laughs> Isn't that cute? That's cute. Isn't that cute? Feel, feel free to use that at the Seder. All right, it goes down really well at the Seder. Okay. Huh? Yeah. If, if I get pleasure from the bread of affliction, does that make me a masochist? Okay. Oh, that's one of my all-time favorite jokes. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, so we said yes on the every two weeks. Yeah. Holly, mm-hmm. I said yes. Okay. Perfect. Um, and what was the other thing? Oh, I want to do one other plug. Oh, by the way, if someone doesn't, the phone is going around to like, Yeah, sign your name before she runs out of battery, quick. <laughs> right? Um, okay, and the other thing was, oh, so what some of you know or don't know, that I also, I work here part-time and I also work for Olami. Olami is the umbrella organization that funds 320 organizations around the globe. We're including Moor. Moor is one of our biggest USA uh, organizations, which is really cool. Um, and one of the campaigns we're rolling out right now in, um, in, in honor of Yom HaZikaron, remembering you know, the soldiers that died, um, is this thing called um, Honor Israel's Fallen. And it was a campaign started by the president of Olami, Rabbi Butler. And all of a sudden the world went ballistic. State of Israel went crazy about it because it was such a beautiful idea. And it's so funny because like, Olami's posting about it online. And you see Benjamin Netanyahu liked your post. And it's like, what? Like, so they're like all involved and like they love, the State of Israel love it. They want their logos on it. So what is it? It's a beautiful, beautiful idea. It, they're honoring every single soldier that ever died in, this, in, in service, in battle. Like every single soldier from the beginning of time in Israel that died, there's 24,000 of them. They're wanting to honor them. So they set up a whole website. Olami now is funding it. So it's Olami's campaign with the State of Israel. And they're funding, they've got every single soldier a picture and a blurb about them, how they died. And you can choose to honor a soldier in any way that you want by doing a good deed, saying a prayer, doing a mitzvah, doing anything, doing some Torah learning, anything. You choose a soldier that you want and you honor them by doing something in their merit, in their honor. And then we're videoing some people who did it and to send it to the families of the soldiers. It's so sad. It's so nice. Like, it's so like, heartwarming, right? So, and the fam- over like 35, 40 families have already reached out to us before the event and said, we want the video, we want the video of, our, of someone doing something for our loved one. It's such a beautiful idea. So, um, I'm really inviting you to go onto the website, honorisraelsfallen.com. Yeah, honorisraelsfallen.com. And just pick a soldier. It takes literally two minutes. Pick a soldier. You just choose what you want to do. You can do anything. You can do it. It can be like two seconds. It can be a prayer. It can be a blessing. It can be a, you can learn something. You can do any good deed. And if you want to film yourself for one, a one-minute video, literally one minute, we'll show it on big screens on our New York event, which you're all invited to. We're doing a big New York event in Queens, so we'll have a way to get there if you want to come from the city. Um, it's a huge. It's going to be like hundreds and hundreds of people, if not thousands, I think hundreds. And we're going to have all the videos on on big big screens, like of the thing. It's going to be beautiful. So that's April 17. Yeah. Is the video optional. Yes, the video is optional. We don't. Everything's optional. We don't well, make. No, no, no. But if you want to, go I will to the not event, honor a fallen soldier, right? If you we, want to go to the event, is the video still? Optional? No. Yes. Yes. You're you're invited to come for free without the video, but you'll be good in a video. But if you wanted to honor a soldier, is the video uh, isn't if. No, you don't have to do the video, okay. but if you Videos do, 
Yeah, you don't have to do a video. Yeah. It's more important to marry to do, to do the a thing, thing and is marry. Yeah. They did a, they did this event in Israel, right? No? No. No? Mm-hmm. I went to some of that fallen soldier event in Israel. Did you? My cousin was a fallen soldier. Oh. I, I never met him. It's my cousin. They probably do a lot of the, these kind of things, but it wasn't for like the 24,000 as one thing yeah, in, yeah. in Israel's 70th birthday, which is what... I don't know what it was, but it was for fallen soldiers. Beautiful. It was, like, really it was really meaningful. So anyway, that's my... That's Will my... we get an email? Sorry. Will we get an email about the event? Yes. Okay. That's a good idea. Hallie, remind me. Okay, I was like, yep, that's a great idea, Lana. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, so let's, let's do a little bit of background. Um, okay, we talked about the idea Egypt means constricted or, or narrow, yeah, and that we were, very imp- we were very oppressed as Jews in Egypt in the actual story. Um, the Maharal, who's a famous, a famous uh, commentary, says that we were, there was a complete absence of any spiritual values in Egypt. There, was no, there were no spiritual values. In fact, the paro comes from the root para, which means completely untied, like compl- anything goes. There's no, anything goes, which well, kind of sounds like now, today, but, you know, like anything goes, right? I'm not even, it's not even a joke, really. That's, that's kind of what's going on. Like there's an unraveling of the morals and values nearly back down. To, we were on the 49th level of Tuma, of impure, spiritual impurity, this lowest, lowest level. There were only 50 levels of impurity. We were on the, the second to last level. And... Um, and we, we really needed saving. Yeah, that's the, that's the bot. It, it, it basically says the Haggadah, and if you read the Haggadah, says that if, if God hadn't taken us out of Egypt in that moment, we would have remained, remained in eternal bondage to Egypt and to, that, to those values. So we had to be, in a way, rescued. We would have been completely lost. There were three ways we merited not to be lost. Does anyone know what those three ways are? There were three ways as a Jewish people that we still held on to that we didn't lose and that we in that way we merited that saving even though we were on such a low level not not now i'm saying back in egypt when we didn't have shema we didn't have the mitzvahs we didn't have because we weren't a nation yet we, we got saved from egypt to become a nation but there was there were certain jewish customs that we kept a hold of that still kept us a sense of that we're somehow a different people and we're not just in, integrated into the egyptian culture they didn't do that yet. Yeah, all those mitzvahs came later. Yeah. It's a good question, though, because what made Jews Jews before that we got the Torah, yeah. right? Someone asked me that recently. Who asked me that? They, is anyone in the room? Someone asked me that question. Was it you? So I found out the answer. I found out the answer. I'll, I'll go into it in a minute. Yeah. We had Jewish names. Yes, we kept our Jewish names. So we still had little Miriams and Pinchases rather than we didn't have like Robbies and Dannys and Randys, right? We had like, yeah, we had like Miriam and, and whatever. So we kept it meaning because that's your that's a sense of identity, your name. We have two other things. Yeah. Circumcision? No, but I know what you're getting at. Okay. That's, that's, you're, you, you're correct, but not, it wasn't then. Yeah. There were two other things. Language. Language. Yes, that was language, right? We kept our, our, our traditional language, Hebrew. And there was one other, our clothes, right? We, di- we didn't, we didn't go, go in with the Egyptian times. You know, basically they were nothing. Much worse, than, much worse than now, actually, apparently. I just found this out on the weekend um, from my rabbi. He said, no, it's, it's hard for us to imagine compared to even now, but it was like worse, you know? But we didn't, we weren't willing to go there to do that. So we kept our names, our language, and, um, and our clothes. Um, oh, so... Wait, what was I saying? So, so Bianca asked me at some point, so what made us Jews before we received the Torah? What, isn't that a good question? 
what made us Jews, we were saved out of Egypt to go and get the Torah and keep the mitzvahs, but we didn't have mitzvahs, we didn't have any of the blessings, we didn't have anything. So what, what defined us as Jews? Anyone know? I don't blame you if you don't know. I didn't know I had to go and ask. Does anyone know by any chance? It's such a good question. It was like really bothered me that I didn't know it. So I went, I went and asked my rabbi, Rav Sholem Kamenetsky, and he was just, he just told me now on Shabbos I was there. So he said that up until that point, um, anyone who chose to follow in the ways of Avraham, which was monotheism, was considered Jewish. It was very interesting. And it was more behavioral. It didn't come down. It, well, it came through the father, not the mother, but because the father determined at that point how the family was to, li- to live. And then it shifted after that at Sinai to the mother through the genes. So I said, why? Oh my gosh, that's the biggest feminist rant we could say about Judaism. What do you mean? It changed from the father to the mother? Yeah, women. Like, that was so far back. What, why? And what, why was it? Isn't that... You want, why? Okay, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm pausing for dramatic effect. Because you always know who the mother is. It's not so clear sometimes who the father is. So it's a more reliable... more Because reli- that's, that's Egypt, I'm sorry, right? It's more reliable. Although he's told me that, interestingly... He said that there was only one case of intermarriage in Egypt, which was unbelievable. I mean, the, the, again, the clothes, the name, and the speech kept us united that we didn't intermarry into the into the culture and lose lose everything. But um, but but interestingly, we know who the mother is. We don't always know who the father is. It's not always clear. But that was one of the ways. But interestingly, the woman also is the inner strength of the woman is that spiritual power and that spiritual inner strength which formed which forms the spiritual nature of a family even more than the male often. Yeah, not every single time there's always exceptions, but often the woman will create the environment spiritually. And it's interesting that that then genetic coding continues through her physically to create the spiritual identity of the child, right? Very interesting. So, okay. Um, does that answer you, Bianca? Mm-hmm. Isn't that good? That's yeah, great. I know, it's great. Made so much sense. Yeah, um, just thinking if there's anything else he told me that I... Yeah, no. How okay. can we then speak about it as, um, as a genetic thing if it was behavioral initially? Because it became, it became genetic. But if it was behavioral, then, then... Before, in Egypt, before that it was behavioral. I mean, Abraham realized there was God in the world and chose to follow God, and then, and then it was more a behavioral choice. At that point, there were no such thing as Jews as we know it today. It was human beings started with Adam, then it broke down, right? And then we, then there were people who wanted to rectify the sin, and then those that didn't want to rectify, like there was split like that, and there was behavioral choice of following monotheism or all the paganism that was going on in the world. You had to make it was a very big statement to follow Abraham at that point. It was very hard to do, right? To acknowledge there's only one God in the world, and and then and then it, and then it shifted. But it goes through. He explained a whole genetic thing to me that it had to be. I, I don't. Know, I can't give it over now, but. It went down to ya- Yaakov was the first level where it changed with the genes, you know, in that sense. Um, there's, there's a purity with Yaakov and the 12 tribes, you know, um, with, with that genetic coding. It's interesting. I was just in Australia and my, my cousin um, was, was totally disconnected from Judaism, totally disconnected, as far away as you could get. And she said she just did that fun thing where you get your, your heritage tested and you say if you're like 23% Irish and uh, just as a fun thing. And she came out, she was 97% Ashkenazi Jew. <laughs> and she said she freaked out because she had no idea that a Jew, Jew thing was a gene thing. 
She never realized it's in your genes. It's not a cultural thing. Isn't that fascinating? Like she always thought it's a custom I do. It's a family thing. Okay, we're going to do Pesach and get through this Haggadah. It's just like a tradition, right? It's not in me. It's not my, my essence. Like she came out in a, in a non-Jewish genetic test. You're actually 97% Ashkenazi Jew. It's like she was, she was affected by that. Such an interesting idea. Okay, I'm totally on a tangent. Um, okay, Pesach happened in the blink of an eye. Right? The speed with which we left was so fast that there wasn't enough time for the dough to rise. That's the whole thing about matzah, yes? Yes. We all know that. Why now? Why so fast? Why did we have to go so fast? Like, what, what does that mean? We were already there so long. We were already sunk into the bottom level. Shem had done all these miracles. Like, what the heck is this thing about leaving so quickly? Like, why do we have to leave so quickly? What? Why? Right? I mean, you, imagine, you can imagine it like an action movie. You had to rush out in the night. and like, but I don't think it was like that. Right? Why so fast? You know? And then why do we have to wait 49 days until we receive the Torah? So we rush out because we've got to start being a spiritual nation. Yeah, 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 we've got to leave so quickly. We can't wait for the matzah to rise. And then we have to wait 49 days. We have to plug through the desert on the way to the Torah. Like, now we're ready. Like, what? You know, there's a, there's a whole lot of questions here. So it's fascinating what's going on on a deeper level. Rav Dessler talks about the, this principle. This is the first principle. We're going to do two principles, and then we're going to try and um, apply it in a, in a meditation. There's two principles that God creates an awakening from above and an awakening from below. This is in our life too, by the way, now. This, is always, this genu- genuinely happens a lot, right? So he, he grants us some spiritual illumination, like some clarity, some insight, something in, in life, like, or an aha moment, and he gives it to, to us for free. Like when I've had my best ideas about a program, about how something should run, even about a present. You know when you like have a tough family and you don't know what to get them? And then on Shabbat morning, I'm lying there thinking, hmm, what can I get that all of a sudden, I have this perfect gift, right? It was like, it just popped in my head. It's a, it's just, it's a gift. It just pops in. I didn't create it. God, somehow just an illumination happened in my head. All of a sudden, boom. It's called an awakening from above. But there must be, and we don't deserve it usually, by the way. We don't deserve it. We didn't do anything to merit it. But at, at some point, there must be an awakening from below. So the illumination we get from above is temporary. And then it's like nearly like a template. Like, look, it could be like this. And then it's withdrawn. And then I have to awaken myself from below and work at it to get it. Now, this, this, this pattern repeats over and over again. It's got nothing to do with religion. It's got nothing to do, it's to do with life, right? You meet a guy. Oh, my gosh. He looks at me. My belly flops, right? <laughs> oh, my. I, I get shivers, right? What? Like, all of a sudden, it's effortless. Oh, my gosh. It must be right because it's effortless. It's so good, right? And then all of a sudden after, I don't know, what is it? What is it? Eight months, nine months, ten months, a year? You get together, you're together. That's it. It's forever, forever, forever. No problem. And it's like effortless. And we don't even have to work at it. It's amazing. We just, we can finish all the sentences. And it's like, Shem's showing you a template. He's showing you. It's, it's, not, it's not that it's totally illusion, but it, there is an enormous gift going on, right? Enormous gift, enormous illumination. And then all of a sudden it doesn't feel like that. And if you don't know this principle, you can say, oh, we fell out of love. We had to break up, right? Why? Because all that feeling left. Because I thought that's love and that's going to continue forever. But that's only miss- you're missing half the story. If you know that you get an awakening from above and then now it's our time to do the awakening from below, it- it's better than that first time. When you actually get there and you integrate it into you, right, the, 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 the template and you're building yourself and you're building together, it's better. It's much better than the first. The first was just a little flash of like this is what it could be like, right? But it's, it's deeper, it's better, it's more real, it's you, it's, it's yours. So the withdrawal is always a challenge. And if we don't rise to that challenge, 
we fail in the primary task, right? And our situation will be much worse than if we had not received that in the first place, that illumination. So the night of Pesach is an awakening from above, right? We were awakened, we had the plagues, everything was going on, we were watching, we were completely like dazzled, yes? We did nothing to earn it, to merit it, we just watched, yeah, the ten plagues. And then took it away, dumped us in the desert, work. Yeah? Then we had to work on ourselves. Do you know what comes after Pesach? What happens straight after, actually from the second night of Pesach? Omer. The counting of the Omer. They count the days of the, we count the days from up to 49 days, which is then Shavuot. Shavuot is on the 50th day, right? So we count, which is when we receive the Torah. So we count the days because that's when we have to work on ourselves and make it ours. And we repeat this cycle every year, right? There's actually an awesome app I really recommend you get called the, um, oh, what's it called? Um, it's by Haber, H-A-B-E-R, and it's, is it Spheros, um, counting the, not Spheros, huh? The orange one? Yeah, the, 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 on, it's an app. Yeah. It's counting the Omer, but anyway, why am I saying that? You'll look it up, it's not so many. Omer counting. No. It says every day something to work on, yes. and what it's connected to, which sphere it's connected to that you're meant to work on, and what to have an intention around, and like real practical stuff, it's really cool. If you want to follow this app, right? And then it flicks through for you. Anyway, so this is really cool. I don't know if you've heard of this, but what star sign is usually in, is usually now? Now, let's say, what star sign is, yeah, what star sign is usually around March, March, April? Aries, which is what, what animal? Huh? No? Ram, a ram. Ram, a sheep. What do sheep do? Sheep, a, sh- a sheep just follows, follows the flock, right? A sheep is, sh- is usually gu- guided by the shepherd, right? We were sheep. In, in this time of, in this, there's a chair right here. In, in this time, we were following God and following what was going on, watching fireworks, and we were just following like sheep. Then we were dumped in the desert. The next month, what comes after Aries? Taurus. The animal of Taurus is? A bull. So what do, what do bulls do? They're work animals. They work. They're, they're, they're the ones you load up to, to work the farm and work the land. So we worked. Then we had to work. And then we got to the next month with Shavuos and we received the Torah, which is, what's the next star sign? Gemini. Gemini, which is twins. And we became partners with Hashem in receiving the Torah. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool how there's a flow. Even we see that all of Mazal, yeah, Mazal constellations, star signs, all come from Torah. It all pulls out of Torah. The, even the, the life cycle of the year comes from Torah. Like my birthday is in Elul, which I'm a Virgo. Yeah, Virgo is, is um, you know, virgin, renewal, all about renewal. So usually Virgos are very growth-oriented, so much so it can drive other people crazy, right? But very growth-oriented, right? Because there's a constant renewal going on, back to purity, back to growth, back, right? So that's, that, that's, that's me, that's Elul. Like it was just so resonates. So it's fascinating. I'm sure there's a book out there we can, we can look up if you want to look up yours. Okay. Um, that's the first thing, awakening from above, awakening from below. By the way, if you know this, um, it, it changes your life in every, in every which way, right? In, in every which way, not just in relationships, but in, if you have an idea and then it feels so exciting and then it's, the excitement goes away because you have to work at it, but you know that you're working in the dark to like build something because it's going to be awesome. You know you have to build something towards something. You know, you, that, that's the purpose of this. You totally see what it's about. And by the way, I see this all the time in Jewish growth. People go on a high and get all inspired and they're amazed. They go on a trip. If you went on a trip to Israel and you came back and you're on a high, you're all inspired and then the inspiration starts to go away and you're like, oh, 
I don't relate to this anymore or it's just not me or but again if you have the same idea no 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 now I need to make it mine I need to go to some classes I need to learn I need to make it mine I need to find out how I'm going to express myself in in this yeah then you make it yours and then it becomes you and real and part of you and then you have a real relationship with, with, with the divine, with God, with spirituality, right? Otherwise, it's just like you, you were given it like candy. A trip, I hate to say it, you're like, a sh- you're like a sheep on a trip. You're following along and like, hey, look at this, look at that. Whoa, yeah, wow. Here's Shabbat, Shabbat, Shabbat. Like you have all these experiences. <laughs> you're the Shabbat tone. It's, 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 it's like candy land. And it, it's not that it's not true. It is. It's like, look at the beauty, look at the beauty, look at the beauty. And you're like, whoa, right? And then like, now work. Now this is your time to work and make it yours. And it feels very different. But it's part of the whole thing. Okay. That's, less, that's, that's principle number one in Pesach. Principle num- number two, why did it need to be so fast? The question comes up, why did we have to be rescued so quickly? We could not at that point have been sunken to the 50th level of impurity because we just saw God perform all these miracles before our eyes. All the plagues. There's no way we could have sunk to the bottom level because we already just saw God. We weren't, th- we weren't on the 49th level at the, by the end of that. You hear the question? We couldn't have sunk at that point. At that point, we're already lifted by seeing all of this. So why do we have to leave so quickly? So there's an idea that you can live in, we can live in the physical dimensions of time and space and be subject to them, part of them, or we can live within them and transcend them. Again, we can live in physical dimensions of time and space. This is everyone's choice even today. And you can either be like subject to them, let them define you, or you can be in physical time and space but transcend them and not let them define you, right? You can do your own thing and you're there and you enjoy the physicality, but it doesn't, it's, not, it doesn't, it's, not, it's not who you are. Spirituality, this is, this is the mo- stay with me, this is the most important, important sentence. Spirituality is contradicted by unnecessary expansion of the physical dimension of time and space. Again, spirituality is a contradiction to t- physical time and space. You cannot have both like this. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but to the degree that you have, they say, ruchnius, spirituality, your gashmius, your physicality goes down. It's like a seesaw. They can't be like the same level of high, usually, Right? That I enjoy the physicality to the same level and I enjoy the spirituality. It just doesn't work that way. It usually, it usually goes like this. Yeah. Can you go back to the big part you were saying about physicality again? I didn't follow. Yes. I'm going to, yeah, we're going to talk about it a lot. In order to transcend the physical dimensions of time and space, being, being bound by physicality, one has to minimize the contact be, between oneself and the physical elements. Right? Does that make more sense? Yeah. So, in the time dimension, this is known as Zrizus. Zrizus is alacrity, is, is enthusiasm, like running towards an opportunity. Carpe diem, right? Seize the day, right? You have to run towards a, 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 an opportunity and not, and not let it, like anyone who's lazy, who procrastinates, yeah, I'll get to it later. What happens? You often see you don't get to it. You miss the opportunity because you didn't jump, right? So, there's a, there's a concept in Judaism called Zrizus. Maharal says that if one moves fast, minimizing the time taken for action, you can overcome the stifling effects of time. Do you notice this, by the way? When I get up early and I have an appointment and I get dressed and I get ready and I, I would get out the door and whatever, I do so much more than if I have the whole day off 
And I think I'm going to achieve so much in that day, but I look at the thing and it's eight o'clock and I roll over and I just got my phone a little and then I get up and then it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. I'm still in my pajamas. Like what? Right. But if you got up early and you just kept running, you got so much more done, even though you had a much more busy day, right? Well, you want something done, give it to a busy person. You've heard that? Why? Because they're fast. They just move. They kind of transcend physicality. There is a, there is a trans, transcendental nature about it. Where you're like, how the heck did I do all of that in a day? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Okay. It's zealous action, that, that quick action, elevates that physical dimension to a spiritual level. You notice also if you go and work out, right? You have more energy after. It's kind of supernatural. When you do something quickly... It, it lifts you. It doesn't really make sense that you would work out and then generally have more energy, right? Now, of course, that's on a physical level, but this is the spiritual root of it. Everything in Judaism happens on the physical level, has a spiritual root. I asked Rabbi Kamenetsky actually just recently, so how much faster do you need to work and run and do to be in that zone called Zrizos, called spiritual transcendence of the physical dimension? And he said, just faster than your normal place. Whatever your normal gait or normal pace is, just faster, meaning you're working against your nature just a little bit, that, that, that in itself pushes you out of that physical dimension. That in itself pushes you out by being, by being bound by that. You hear? Because if I don't do that and I just go along with my, physical, with my physical pace, then I'm just bound. I'm in physicality. I'm bound by it. If I push myself, I go against my nature just a little bit to push myself out of that, then I, boom, I'm, I'm, I kind of bump over that physical dimension and I'm no longer bound by it. It doesn't define me anymore. And that's freedom. That is freedom. We live in a completely stifling physical world where everything physical is in your face all the time. Yes? All the time. By this, by that, by that. Right? All the time. So if you're living in that world and bound by that world and you're just going from pleasure to pleasure to pleasure, that's like a slave. You're being a slave to your desires. There's no freedom in that. You're just being pulled from one... Vi- but if I don't need that and I push past that, I'm not living bound by the physical world, then I'm free. And I'm free to do what I want to do. Okay. So if we return to Egypt, the problem with Egypt, with more time in Egypt, would not have been the contamination effects of Egyptian impurity because the danger had long gone. The problem with more time in Egypt, this is the clincher, would have been more time itself. The problem would have been more time because time is physical. Why? The event had to occur in the blink of an eye because it was necessary for us to remain spiritual. We were about to be taken out to become a spiritual nation, the Jews. So in order to start a spiritual nation, you can't be sluggish and go at this pace. Right? You have to, we had to transcend it. If we, if we left in a, in a naturally relaxed fashion, we would have been a natural people. Yes? There's a concept that everything goes after the beginning. However you start something sets a tone. You know this, by the way, first impression, if you meet someone in your head, if you've labeled them, that's it. That's how you see them every single time. It could be really good. It could be really annoying. Someone's annoying. They're annoying. That's it. They're always annoying. <laughs> don't you notice that? They could change. They could change things like, no, you don't see it usually. The first impression, that's it. Everything goes after the beginning. So we became and remain a spiritual people now because our beginning was spiritual. Okay. What's matzah? It 
says that, that we, we remain, we were a people, that we were existing only just within the physical level, sustained by a food which is only just the sum of its ingredients. Right? Matzah is just the sum of its ingredients. It's very simple. It's just the bare basics. The difference between matzah and chametz, anyone know? Is the time it takes to rise. Right? Literally. Literally, it's the same exact ingredients. It's just the time it takes to rise. Right? So that's the yeast. Yeah? Do you want to hear something um, mind-blowing? Matzah and chametz are exactly the same letters. Mem, Tzadik, Hey, right? Matzah, Mem, Tzadik, Hey. Chametz is Chetz, chetz Mem, Chametz, Tzadik. So the only difference is the Hey and the Ches. And the difference between a Hey and a Ches, like this, is just the time it takes for the Hey to go up to make the. Just the t- everything's the same. Just the, so you see the depth of the wisdom reflected in the Hebrew letters of the Chametz and the Matzah, right? It's so cool. Because just the, the depth of the wisdom and the integrity and the MS just keeps going down and down and down, right? From the letters all the way. Okay. We need to meditate. Um, one, one last point on this is um, it says, there's also, there's a, there's a quote that says, guard the, guard the matzos, the, the matzos, but it's also read exactly the same, guard the mitzvahs. Meaning, a mitzvah is a physical action that you do in the world that contains unbounded spiritual energy. That's what a mitzvah is. You do a mitzvah, we, unfortunately we call it sometimes a good deed, but a good deed is just on the physical level. A good deed is, is good. There's nothing wrong with it. It's good. But it's just on the physical dimension of time and space. I'm doing something good for you on the physical dimension of time and space. If I have a kavana, an intention... Right? Kavana comes from the word kivun, which means to aim. What am I aiming? I'm aiming my intention, my consciousness. If I have a consciousness that I am doing this good deed, this mitzvah, in order to connect with, the, with God, in order to release unbounded spiritual energy, in order to connect to the spiritual plane, if I have that kavana, then the mitzvah itself is incredibly powerful. But if my physical action is performed as a physical action. It loses connection with the spiritual world. It's just a, a two-dimensional physical action. So mitzvahs are like matzos, performed at the higher level with zeal and alacrity. They're transcendent. Yeah, it's, it's hinting to us to make sure that your intention is, is in the right place. You could be doing technically mitzvahs your whole life, but if you never have that intention, you're going to stay bound again by the physical world. The power of your intention, your kavana, which is... Focused attention, which ironically is what meditation is, by the way, right? If you look at it, it's always found this beautiful that med- really Judaism is a walking, living meditation that focuses your attention into different places to connect with the spiritual. But it's alive and awake and conscious. It's not like internal and just with yourself. It's interacting with the world through your kavana. So, yeah, it, it, it connects you to the spiritual world. Okay, so let's let's go into... Um, a meditation. Here we go. Oh, and by the way, so why are we spending all this time, crazy time cleaning? People go crazy. You know this, right? People go nuts with the cleaning. and uh, So there's, a, again, what's happening without is often happening within. Yeah, whatever I'm doing externally is a mirror for what I'm doing also internally. There is something going on 
when I'm looking around my place for chametz externally about what I also should and could be doing and will be doing internally, looking inside myself for the areas of chametz, the areas of um, parts of myself that are inflated, are um, blocking me from my true potential, from the parts of me that keep me small, from the parts of me that hold me back. Yeah, that's that's really what Pesach is about. Looking for the looking for that internally, and Badika chametz, which we do the night before the seder. You know, they go we go around and we look for any chametz, even though we know we've cleaned it from top to bottom, and we know for sure there's not there. And then we plant it. It's crazy, right? Sumei ra asetov. We turn from evil, turn from the negative, from the bad. We try and clean it out in order to receive the good. That's the process of growth. So the night before Passover, it's the Seder, we're looking for the last remnants of, of negativity, so to speak. Yeah? And it says, <clears throat> the halacha is to do it with a flashlight. Everyone turns off the lights. Have you seen this? They turn off the lights, they go around with the flashlight. So the, there's, one of the commentaries said, why are we going around with a flashlight? If you really want to see if there's any... Com- you put the lights on, you go with a big torch or something. Like, you know, like... Have- so there's a beautiful answer I heard because you don't want to look internally with too strong a light. You have to look inside gently. Isn't that beautiful? I thought it was so special, right? You have, that's how you have to be with yourself. So we do everything, it even proves more that whatever we're doing on the outside is a reflection of the process on the inside. The whole thing is really a meditation. It really is in a different way than what we're about to do, but it is a meditation. Yeah? Okay. So, um, does everyone have a piece of paper or something? Or only you have a phone? Can everyone put their phone on airplane mode? Because anyway, there's nothing more annoying than meditating and having a phone go off. Put on airplane mode, open it up to notes, and put it, on the, put it on the table in front of you, just so you can make a note of this for yourself at the end. That's all, that's, all, that's, all this is for. And what we're, what we're planning to do is to just write an intention, get some clarity... Of what to how to go into the Passover Seder and just get comfortable. We'll probably be around 20 minutes. Are you coming or going? No, I just want to go to the bathroom. If you're going to say the intention, I want to hear the intention before I go to the bathroom and then come back. But go, go, I'm going to wait because it's, okay, it's very distracting. <laughs> People can't concentrate. Um, not, no, I'm not saying the intention. You're going to come up with your own intentions. Everyone's going to be different. Are you sure you're not hot? I'm really hot. I'm hot. Yeah. You're hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then everyone's going to fall asleep. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to turn this on. 74. I feel like a crazy person in the office because I'm like, there's no one else hot in here. Right, no, I know. It's like the... You'll let me know, though, if it's um, too cold. Shouldn't be. All right. Is she back? No. Okay, so just everyone's phone's, phone is off or, yeah? So, okay, so let's just get comfortable and feel your feet against the, the ground. Feel your, your back against the chair. Take a deep breath in. And when you feel comfortable, just gently turning your attention inwards. And just notice how you feel. Just notice what's going on in you and in your body when you start to pay attention to it. There's no right or wrong at all. You can't mess this meditation up. You can't do it wrong or bad. Meditation is about whatever it is. 
that's meditation, just to observe the process, to be open to whatever it is that is in there and comes up, as opposed to it being judged as right or wrong. And just taking a deep breath, just allowing your attention to just gently sit with yourself, no one else. There's nowhere you have to be right now. There's nothing you have to do other than just be here together. And taking your attention to the top of your head, just giving yourself permission to let go and relax. Down your scalp, down your forehead, moving down your face, behind your neck. Just finding it easier and easier to start to let go, to be here now. Just moving your attention down your shoulders, relaxing, letting go of any tension. Down your arms and your back, all the way down your front into your stomach, relaxing easily and effortlessly all the way down your arms and your hands. Finding it easier to drift deeper and deeper. Easily, effortlessly. Just noticing what's going on. Knowing that you're in a safe place. Taking your attention into your pelvis. Letting go of any tension in your legs. All the way down into your knees. Into your calves. Down into your feet. And into the tips of your toes. just taking your attention back up to the top just doing a scan down your body noticing without judgment if there's anything still tense or not and just scanning down your body giving permission to your body to let go of any tension that might be there and as you do that you notice how easy it is to drift deeper and deeper and deeper into a place that is calm and centered and still. this place you realize it's so nice to be home. So nice to be here. And it's not that hard to get to.
Just noticing your breath as you breathe in. Breathe out. Just any sounds around you you notice can help you drift deeper and deeper into the still place. And it's about now that you notice that God, the Divine, Hashem, is also right here, right now with you in this moment. But there is a bigger, greater Divine Power Being, Creator. That loves you very, very much. And is with you in this moment. Right here and right now. Just noticing how you feel when you notice that. Whatever the reaction is. No right or wrong. And in front of you, in your mind's eye, you look up and you see a huge wall. Massive, massive wall goes up as far as you can see and as wide as you can possibly you notice what it's made of you notice the color it's nearly majestic it's so big and as you're looking up this massive wall and you're looking to the sides and there's no way around this there's nowhere to go you're trapped so you start to think about things that trap you Start to think about where in your life are you limited? What do you know you should be doing more of or less of? Could be in your relationships with people. Could be relating to yourself. It could be in relationship with God, prayer, other other things. It 
just seeing in this moment when you have access to your own deeper self and higher wisdom what things limit you what are you doing in your life that limits you it keeps you small it doesn't allow you to be your full potential and just see what pops up into your mind this is not about analysis this is about allowing something to bubble up from deep down usually the first thought is the right one when you don't really think and just notice what bubbles up without judgment where in your life do you let the physical world rain is it in laziness procrastination food arrogance and a need for attention all the time or validation maybe it's sexual desire or material comforts or something else where in your life do you know that something defines you rather than you defining it technology and just notice again what bubbles up no effort just see what pops in and just remember the things that bubbled up for you and it's at this point that you notice and the wall but there's a door that you hadn't noticed before there's a small little door down the bottom and you're so curious and you go down to the door and you open up the door and there's a tiny little opening that you see is big enough for you to get through but a bit of a tight snug squeeze and on the other side you see there's something there to get through too so you start to go into a small tunnel and as you go in you notice you have to squeeze yourself to push through you're determined you're determined to get through and as you get through you start moving further and further through the door into the tunnel and you notice the light as you're pushing yourself and you come out on the other side and as you come out on the other side you see 
an expansive field. Rolling hills, beautiful flowers. In the sunlight, you feel the sun on your face. You look behind you and the wall has fallen away. It's no longer there. And you feel this sense of expansion. Sense of freedom. Unbounded. Limitless. allowing yourself to have that. Notice what that feels like. about now that you're aware that this is a sense inside of you, that you can come back to at any time, regardless of what's going on around you. Where you feel empowered, clear, quiet happy to be still without your phone, without talking to anyone, just you and God. This is the sense that we try to integrate at the Seder. Simplicity. Just you and God in the matzah, simplicity. The bread of Amuna. You're in this quiet state of clarity, stillness. Just allow an intention to pop into your mind now that could be related to the limitations you became aware of earlier in the meditation, or it might be something completely different. There's no right or wrong. And just have in your mind an intention, I would like to be free by, and finish the sentence. like to be free or I would like to be freer in my life by and finish the sentence see what pops into your head
this intention in mind and this feeling of clarity, expansiveness. You can see also the power if you were to pray now, go into any kind of prayer, you would be in a much different place to begin any prayer from this place, which is the purpose of Jewish meditation often, as a preparation to prayer. And know that you can come back to this at any time. Feeling your feet on the ground. Five. Feeling your back against the chair. Four. Listening to the sounds around you. Three. Taking a deep breath. Two. And gently in your own time, coming back into the room and opening your eyes when you're ready. One. Bringing with you the intention. And if you want to write the intention in your phone now, would be a good time. If you have one, or down.